Well, hello again, everyone. This is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. As always, I'm super stoked that you are here today spending your precious free time or commute time or exercise time or laundry folding time with me. Today is episode 149, and we are going to be talking about some basics of burns. But before we dive into that, I always like to take a moment and acknowledge my listeners with the listener shout out. So this one is from Lena. So Lena, thank you so much for writing in and sharing this. Lena says, it's hard knowing where to start reviewing when you have learned so much so fast and so furious over two semesters of nursing school. You know you retained a lot, but you also know that a lot was missed. So where do you start? You start with boot camp with Nurse Mo. I am a level three nursing student, and I wasn't sure if it was worth it. Let me just say it is beyond worth it. Not only is she one of the best lecture teachers I have had, but you get the full explanation. And when that isn't enough for you, you just email her and she responds to you in a speedy time. The Bootcamp Facebook community is beyond priceless too. Nurse Mo extends continuous education beyond the Bootcamp lectures. She is truly a gift to each of us to help us become the best nurses that we can be. It doesn't matter if you are new or established nursing student, Bootcamp is for everyone. I feel more confident today than I did at the start of the summer. So if you have not checked out her Bootcamp, go and do it. Thank you, Nurse Mo, for being you and caring. Lena, thanks again for submitting that beautiful, glowing testimonial about my Crucial Concepts Boot Camp. And for those of you listening, maybe you haven't learned about Boot Camp yet. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end, but it is my nursing school prep course. It's an online program that teaches foundation concepts that clearly are not just for brand new students starting. Lena was already well into her program and found great benefit from it. So it's on super sale right now until April 24th. And then the price is going to go up. It is never going to be at this price again. So if you're thinking about it, this is a great time to go check that out. And I will put the link to that in the show notes. So today we are diving into some basics of burns. Now, burns is a really big topic, so understanding these core concepts is really going to help you when you go into your advanced med surge or your complex illness lecture on taking care of patients in burns, that burn nursing. So when we are looking at burns, you guys, we're going to be looking at four main factors, the type of burn that it is, the amount of skin, the amount of surface area that has been burned, the depth of that burn, and the location of the burn as well. But before we get into those four main factors, it's important to understand that burns are just one type of severe alteration in skin integrity. We will also treat patients with massive skin injuries, essentially the same as we treat a burn patient. This includes patients with degloving injuries, Stevens-Johnson syndrome, frostbite, and TENS, which is toxic epidermal necrolysis syndrome, and even severe road rash. 
So just know that burn treatment centers will also take and care for patients who maybe necessarily haven't had a burn injury, but they have the severe skin injury, such as those that we just listed. Okay, so let's go back to our four main factors. And that first one I mentioned was the type of burn that it is. So burns can be classified a few different ways. So there's electrical, radiation, chemical, and thermal burns. So electrical burns are caused by exposure to an electrical current, such as sticking your finger in a light socket, please don't do that, touching a live power line, don't do that either, or getting struck by lightning. Severity of the burn depends on the type of circuit, the voltage, the amperage of that current, and how long the exposure occurred. Also, the conductivity of the tissue involved. The damage with those electrical burns is due to hyperthermia, so excessive heat, as well as coagulation necrosis. So there's more subdermal damage than with other types of burns. And then when we look at the conductivity of the tissue... Some types of tissue are more electrically conductive than others. So, for example, bone is less conductive than muscle, blood vessel, and nerves. So who do you think has the highest incident of electrical burns? So, sadly, it is children, and this is because... Most likely, they're putting things into light sockets, so that's why we have those light socket covers when you're baby-proofing your house. Or they also will put cords in their mouths, chew on them. You know, kids put everything in their mouths, so that's just another thing for parents to obsessively worry about, right? Interestingly, lightning causes 80 deaths per year in the United States, which seems like a lot to me. Like, what are the odds of getting struck by lightning? 80 deaths per year from lightning, and that incidence is seven times higher among men than women. I have no idea why. I just thought that was really, really, really interesting. Okay, moving on now to radiation burns. So this type of burn occurs with exposure to UV light, also radiation therapy or x-rays. So the most common type of radiation burn is your simple sunburn, but it also occurs and is typically more severe in patients who are getting that radiation therapy for cancer treatment. So a key difference between radiation and thermal burns, which we'll talk about in a moment, is that the damage with the radiation burn isn't immediately apparent. It can take hours, it can take days, it can even take weeks for that damage to the skin to be noticed. Chemical burns can occur when the skin comes into contact with a strong base or a strong acid or some other really, really caustic substance such as oven cleaner and concrete mix. I remember an episode of I don't know if it was Scrubs or Grey's Anatomy. I realize that's a pretty wide spectrum there. Their shows are kind of polar opposites. I think it was Scrubs where a guy came into the ER and had been in a bunch of concrete. Like his his friends were playing a prank. I think maybe it was like a fraternity hazing or something. And he had been in that concrete mix, you know, like from his neck down to his feet. And it was a serious, serious issue because of all the things that can happen when your body's exposed to that caustic substance. And it's also really important to note that chemicals, you know, it's not always just like liquids. You think of something spilling on you in chemistry lab, right? They can also be 
airborne, and that can cause severe damage to the lungs, the mouth, and the nasal passages. So caustic chemicals are going to cause harm also, you know, when they're touched, obviously, but also could be swallowed. So that damage can be internal and very, very extensive. Additionally, chemicals that cause dermal burns can then be absorbed into the body causing systemic toxicity. And this occurs with hydrofluoric acid. That's a great example. Hydrofluoric acid will then get into the system and deplete the body of its calcium and magnesium. Not all chemical burns are going to show immediate damage. Some may be delayed up to 48 hours before the full extent of that injury is known. And now we'll talk about thermal burns. These are those that are caused by exposure to heat, and it's what we generally think of when we think of a burn, right? Most burns requiring medical treatment are because of a thermal source. Of these, the most common causes are flames and scalding liquids, so fire and scalding liquids. Adults are more likely than children to be affected by flame injury, while children younger than age 5 are more likely to suffer from scald burns. And if you've ever had a hot pot on the stove, you know kids love to toddle around and reach and explore their environments. And that's why you turn that handle inward, right? And keep a close eye on the kids when you're in the kitchen, because they'll reach up and grab that handle and then awful things can happen. The individuals most at risk for thermal burns overall are those with occupational hazards. So a 2007 study showed that occupational burns were highest in those working in accommodations, so like hotel, motel, in that accommodations industry and food services industry, followed next by manufacturing and then construction. And when I was looking at this study, it was really surprising. A lot of kitchen accidents, a lot of kitchen workers will have these occupational related thermal burns. Okay, so the next factor when looking at burns is the size of the burn. One of those key components in that burn assessment is estimating the TBSA, total body surface area. And you want to measure the TBSA, basically that was burned, that was affected by the burn. Treatment decisions are basically based on how much of the skin is injured, though other things will come into play like the depth of the injury and the type of burn that it is. Two big factors that calculating the TBSA helps us determine or whether or not to treat. So many burns are minor and don't actually require, you know, you going to the hospital and getting treatment, whereas others are so severe. So the TBSA is so high that palliative care is really the only compassionate option. It also lets us know how much fluid the patient will need. Burn patients will get fluid resuscitation. And we'll talk about that in another episode where we actually dive into the nursing care of patients with burns. Today, we're just going through the background information on burns. So how do we estimate total body surface area, or TBSA? We do this by using a quick assessment tool called the rule of nines, which divides the body into nine sections. It's actually 10 if you count the genitalia, but in general, we say it's nine, which either represent 
9% of total body surface area or a multiple of 9% of total body surface area. So this assessment will be done in the field or in the ER when the patient first gets there. And then again, after the initial debridement of the wound, which will warrant that most accurate assessment. You know, you get all that dead tissue out of the way, and then you can really, really see how much skin surface area was affected. So if you are interested in looking at this visually, I want you to go to the uh, the blog post episode about burns. So there's a blog post episode about this topic so that you can see it visually. And there's a diagram there and it shows the anatomic sections of the body and how they're divided up. So the entire head and neck is 9%. The chest is 9%. The abdomen is another 9%. Same with the upper back, 9% there, and the lower back, 9% there. And then the entire left arm and hand is a 9%. The entire right arm and hand, same thing. Entire right leg and foot is 18%, so it's a multiple. And the entire left leg and foot is 18%. And then the genitalia, 1%. So when using the rule of nines to calculate... TBSA, you have to take into consideration the fact that there are partial burns. For example, if the entire left arm is 9%, but only the front of the arm is burned, then that's 4.5%. And then if the forearm is burned all the way around, but the upper arm is not, that's 4.5%. Does that make sense, you guys? In addition, only partial and full thickness burns are considered when you're calculating the TBSA. And anything over 20% TBSA of a full or partial thickness burn is considered a severe burn. Okay, so I just want to revisit this concept of partial burn just a little bit more because students, when they're first learning to calculate TBSA, this is where they will get tripped up. So let's look at the fact that the entire right leg and foot is 18%. What if it's just from the knee down? What percent would that be? And it's all the way around, like you dipped your leg into hot scalding fluid. That would be 9% because it's a partial of that entire 18%. Does that make sense? If you're looking at the entire head and neck being 9%, but it's only the back of the head and neck, that's 4.5%. So that will help you when you guys start calculating that TBSA using the rule of nine. So let's go through a few scenarios here together. If you're driving, don't stop and, you know, don't do math while you're driving, but maybe try to think through it and then come back to this later when you can jot down notes or you can go to the blog post again that's associated with this and see it visually. And that helps some of us that are real visual learners. So in your scenario, your patient is burned, okay, entire right arm and hand. So let's just do these as we go. Entire right arm and hand, that's 9%. Front of the left leg, so front of the left leg would be 9%. And then the chest, that's 9%. The abdomen, that's another 9%. And then the genitals, which is 1%. So we're looking at this patient, entire right arm and hand, 
front of left leg, the chest, the abdomen, and the genitals. So what is that TBSA? That is 37%. Very good. Let's do another one, you guys. Your patient is burned on the abdomen. So that's what percent? That is 9%. Very good. The lower back, what's that? That's 9% as well. And back of their right leg, what would that be? That would be 9% as well. So the TBSA on this patient is, you've got three 9% sections. Nine times three is 27%. That would be considered a severe burn, right? If that's full thickness and partial thickness burns, which are the only burns that we calculate, this patient needs immediate and intense intervention. Okay, let's say your patient is burned on the front of both arms and hands. So what would that be? Right and left, both arms and hands, but just the front. That would be 4.5% for one arm, 4.5% for the other. So that would be 9% for those. They're burned on their chest. That's 9%, right? And then how much for the abdomen? That's another 9%. So again, this patient's TBSA is that 27%. And we'll do one more. Your patient is burned on the front of his head and neck. So remember, the entire head and neck was how much? It was 9%. Very good. So the front of the head and neck would be 4.5%. Excellent. They're also burned on the chest. How much is that? That was 9%. And the front of the left arm, that would be how much? It's just the front side, so it's that 4.5%. So the TBSA on this patient is, we've got front of head and neck at 4.5, chest at 9, front of the left arm at 4.5, that is 18%. Per so excellent job, you guys. You did really, really well with that. Okay, so now let's talk about another quick way to estimate burns that you might hear about, and that's called the rule of palm, like the hand, palm. Utilizing this method, the palm of the patient, not your palm, but the palm of the patient, that size, you know, you're just looking at the palm, you're not looking at the fingers, you're not looking at the wrist or the thumb, just the palm, that area is equal to approximately 1% of their body. So you can visualize that or make a little um, shape out of something and then quickly try to calculate the burn surface area doing that. And that can be really helpful if the burn is, you know, patchy and scattered about the body. Okay, now let's move on to the third factor that we look at when we look at a burn, and that is how deep does the burn go? Burns are classified by how deeply they penetrate the skin, and we talked about that just a moment ago, just a little bit, so we'll dive into it here. So first-degree burns... The most common, right? Everyone listening to this has had a first-degree burn. Most likely, if not, you are living a charmed life, my friend. But first-degree burns are superficial, and they affect only the epidermis. There are no blisters with a first-degree burn, but the skin is red. It hurts. It's painful. It's dry. Great example is a, a standard sunburn. That's your first-degree burn right there. A second degree burn is a partial thickness burn 
So this would get calculated into our rule of nines as we're looking at our TBSA. They are partial thickness burns that extend partially into that dermal layer. The skin will have blisters. It will be red, it will be painful, probably swollen. Partial thickness burns greater than 10% warrant a burn center referral, you guys. Okay, they have to get um, special treatment. A great example of this would be burns from hot liquids. So, you know, TBSA of 10%, that would be the entire right arm plus a little bit extra, right? Getting burned. So it's, it's a lot. It's a big burn. Okay, looking at third degree burns, full thickness burns. So third degree, full thickness, and that's going to extend into the dermis and possibly down into that subcutaneous tissue. These burns may appear blackened, could look white or charred. Upon palpation, they're going to feel leathery, they're going to feel firm, and they do not blanch. So any full thickness burn warrants a burn center referral, no matter what size it is, okay? And then fourth degree burns, these are full thickness burns that extend into those deeper tissues affecting muscle and bone. You won't always see fourth degree burns separated out from third degree burns, but I think it's helpful to distinguish that we're down into the muscle, we're down possibly even to the bone. Patients with fourth degree burns will have no pain or feeling in that area because guess why? The nerve endings have also been destroyed. Okay, so that's the classification of burns based on their depth. And then the fourth factor that we are looking at is the location of the burn. So when we're assessing the severity of the burn, where it's located really does come into play. Some burns, due to where they are on the body, significantly impact patient outcomes. And you think about burns to the hands, the feet, the face, the perineum, the genitalia, any burn like this that's affecting a functional area of the body is going to require specialized therapies and are best treated at that designated burn center. So looking at the head, the neck, and the chest, for these burns, I want you to be hyper aware and hyper vigilant watching out for pulmonary complications. So the airway could be burned. You could have inhalation injuries. You could definitely have the patient showing respiratory compromise. Circumferential burns, so burns that go around, you know, all the way around the arm, all the way around the leg, can have a tourniquet-like effect. And that tourniquet-like effect, remember, especially if the burn is really severe, that skin is hard and leathery. You could have a tourniquet-like effect that leads to vascular compromise. So what would you do to assess for vascular integrity in a patient who's got a burn all the way around his right calf? You would want to check the pulses, the sensation, all of that distal to that injury, right? So you'll be checking for those pulses and, you know, that cap refill, that perfusion of the foot below. And then circumferential burns of the torso can lead to 
impaired chest wall expansion and severe, severe pulmonary insufficiency respiratory compromise. Burns of the hands, burns involving joints, so think functional parts of the body, right? Patients with these types of burns will usually require intensive, intensive physical and occupational therapy and can lead to permanent disability. And then with facial burns, you know, you're always thinking airway anytime the face is burned, but I also want you to be considering that there could be corneal abrasions and serious eye injury with those as well. And then for any perineal injury, you have a very high risk for infection. So those are the four main considerations when you're looking at a burn. Those are the type of burn, the body surface area burned, the depth of that injury, and where it is located. But there are a few other kind of miscellaneous considerations that will be taken into account when caring for patients with burns. And these include the age of the patient. There's a higher mortality for children under age 2 and for adults over age 60. And then you also always want to be thinking about any associated injuries. Oftentimes, burns don't occur in isolation. There could be smoke inhalation if there's a fire situation. There could be trauma to the individual as well. And then as you're caring for any patient, no matter why they come into the hospital or come under your care, you might be treating them for a burn, but they also could have other underlying medical conditions that will come into play with your care, such as diabetes, renal impairment, and any cardiac or pulmonary dysfunction. So there you have it, you guys, your brief overview of kind of your burn foundation. In another episode, we'll talk about nursing care of the burn patient. And again, I just want to remind you that Crucial Concepts Bootcamp is on sale right now. So if you want to get in on that before the price goes up, do that before the end of the day, April 24th. And you guys can even get a free med search study guide if you choose the social share option and then follow the instructions that are sent to you upon checkout. And then I know a lot of you have been waiting anxiously for the release of the July planners and those are now available. So the link for that will be in the show notes as well. But if you've already visited my Etsy shop or my website, wherever you're getting access to the planners and you know where to go, go there now, check them out. They are so cool this time around. I absolutely love them. And for those of you that don't know, I create printable and digital planners for nursing students. And I have found a fabulous company that I'm working with right now that will print, bind, give you a great waterproof, tear-proof cover, and even add tabs for such a fantastic price. So you can either print it out at home and totally DIY this, especially if you're on a budget. But if you've got a few more dollars to spend and you want it to look awesome, totally professional job, then you'll want to check out that option as well. So there you have it, you guys. I will see you back here next week, and we are going to talk about compassion fatigue. So I will see you back here and we'll discuss that. See you then. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing.